Malachi 3.2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. And like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And this is the reason why. That they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So Lord, we pray that you would come in your holiness, the fullness of your glory, that you would purify us, that you would refine us, the dross comes up from that silver from that gold we just release it to you Lord all those judgments those sins any unforgiveness even judgments against ourselves we give unto you we repent we confess work, your refining work in us. Soul. There's 
cinder and smoke of a blaze where your feet had once set down a ancient of days walk again in garden of my soul our nakedness fear of man not hide from your voice, split like a veil. The heavens lay your head down here with us. Bring us unto your threshing floor, where it's It's all for you, all we are for you, and it's all for you, all we are for you, pour out your praise and spend it all in his presence he will respond and know he wants to live within us and his tide is pulling and his love is reaching our praise is calling So my heart, like the moon, wave after wave upon your shores, trample in dust, cut away all the ways not of you, but Judah's lion. the marrow of my bone and it's all for you all we are for you and it's all for you all we for you pour out your praise and spend it all in his presence he will respond and go 
Psalms 27, the Lord delivers and vindicates me. Fear no one, the Lord protects my life. I am afraid of no one. When evil men attack me to devour my flesh and when adversaries and enemies attack me, they stumble and fall. And when an army is deployed against me, do not fear. And even when war is imminent, I remain confident. I've asked the Lord for one thing, and this is what I desire. I want to live in your house all the days of my life so that I can gaze upon your splendor, O Lord, and contemplate in your temple. I say that the Lord will surely give us shelter in the day of dangers, and he hides us in his house. He will place me in an inaccessible rocky summit. Now I will triumph over my enemies who surround me, and I will offer I will offer sacrifices in the dwelling place and shout for joy. I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry out and have mercy on me and answer me. My heart tells me to pray to you, and I do pray to you, O Lord. Do not reject me and do not push your servant away in anger, for you are my deliverer. Do not forsake or abandon me, O God, who vindicates me. And even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord would take me in. Teach us how you want us to live, Lord, and lead us along a level path because of those who want to ambush us. Do not turn us over to our enemies. Even if false witnesses come up who want to destroy the testimony testimony that's living inside of me. Where would we be? Where would you be? Where would you be if you did not believe that you would experience the favor of the Lord in the land of the living? But where would we be if we didn't believe that message? Where would I be if I didn't believe that? I experience your favor in this land now. Rely on the Lord. Rely on the Lord and be strong and be confident. I say, Rely on the Lord.
So, um, does anyone have any issues with the lymphatic system? Anybody that's had any kind of issue with it in this room? And maybe it's not in this room because we're broadcasting, so I'm not sure, but it may be that we don't know, but, uh, but the Lord keeps telling me I have a lymphatic issue in this room and I want to heal it, so... So Lord, we ask you now, if there's any kind of lymph node issues in this room, anybody, any, anyone, like you've had swollen lymphatic lymph nodes, anyone, like it could be like it's under your chin, it's under your arms, uh, there's like little nodes in the whole body, anybody in here, lymphatic, anybody? I had this happen before where I was calling out a sickness and, and it was someone else that had hurt us and they got healed. They weren't even with us. So I just believe that. We have, I've had that happen two or three times. And so if someone could be connected to our house that's dealing with something right now, but if you just uh, pray for victory in this situation, because we must do this to be able to move into the next stage because the Father, oh, he's a healer. <laughs> He loves, He loves, our Father loves, He loves you, you are so good Father, and you love, and you love to bring healing. My dad. Yes, you picking that up for my dad? Yes, okay. Lord, heal my daddy. <laughs> heal him from what he's going through from the dislocation of his shoulder this week and everything that's trying to come against his body, Lord. I pray your divine touch will reach out to him and I pray you'd have an extended life no matter how many times, no matter how many times that we've been around the circle with him, no matter how many times attacked with cancer and everything has come against his body, I pray in the name of Jesus, in your mighty name, Lord, that you would heal him and touch him and revive him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
tell him. Tell our Father how good he is. Just tell him. Just speak to him. It makes him, he delights in it when we just tell him. Oh, I'm so thankful to you, Lord. Oh, I give you praise, his Lord. My circumstance doesn't define me, Lord. What other people say doesn't define me, Lord. You are my definition, Lord.
king of the enemy With our attempts and our strategies Pick up your horn, let your voices ring Lift up a song of praise to the king Seven times around Sometimes we're lost, sometimes we're found Shout. 
real encounters with the Lord out of Jonah. You know, I don't know if you know this, but the Assyrians were a, uh, they were a terrible lot of people. They were, they were performing siege warfare against the northern kingdom. They were attacking them. And I, I don't know if you know what siege warfare is, but what they do, what they would do is they would get and they would close off all the supplies. They would shut down the water supply and shut down their communication supply and try to surround them on every side. And they would, they used like um, catapult systems and destructive like battering rams. And they were, would get around them. What they were attempting to do was starve those people out. And this happens at the day of the prophets. You probably remember like the prophet and his servant. The mothers were like committing cannibalism to stay fed. This is how bad it was. They, there was, it was just complete starvation. The Syrians assaulted him. And the Lord, through the prophet, says, He says, Open the eyes of my servant so that he may see. Because the prophet had a reality of what heaven was because he could see it all around him. God had snapped himself into that man. He had come down on him and he had a completely different paradigm. Now, was it true that the Assyrians were committing siege warfare against Israel? Yeah. Was, were people starving to death? Yes. Had it got so bad that mothers, maternal mothers that would love their own child would, were in such a state of panic that they would take and consume their own children? Yes. It was real. It was a real war. It was a real battle. It wasn't something they were facing that wasn't real. And he said, open the eyes, open his eyes so that he can see. And he opens his eyes and all around them are the chariots of God and the horses of God and the angelic host all around them camped around Israel. He says something like this. There's more of them than there are of these guys that are attacking us. Everything is trying to diminish the vision of God's people and get us into a reality of circumstances that has nothing to do with what heaven says. It's trying to tell us a different story. It's trying to get the people of God to turn in on each other instead of seeing out into the heavens. And I've seen it in this house. When it flashed at X2M112 and my eyes flashed and I saw heaven here. I didn't see pews. I didn't see boards. I didn't see words. I saw heaven on earth. And I had him inside of me. And I knew there was a reality of consummation that we the church have not seen yet. When Jesus tabernacles with us 
and transfigures us and everything you know that our enemy and everything he would do would get you to become self-introspective or get someone else's introspected against you instead of worshiping our king there's more there's more there's more of them than there are of our enemy and I will not stand for it and you shouldn't either tear off your own introspection tear off everybody else's around you and immerse yourself into the Lord and let him have his way with you oh even come so quickly Lord the spirit of the bride says come uh, maybe you can do this with me can you can you take this uh, sitting why won't you stand with me and make a declaration that the Lord will redeem the nations around us while he intrudes into our life yes that Jonah was angry that God saved those Assyrians but let it not be said about us the Lord ordained this event today he ordained this uh, team today he ordained you to stand as he intrudes into our daily affairs in this nation and he starts to give our enemy a run for his money because why because you and I we praise him and while Stephen is singing this with I am not going to take this and when you've done everything you can do stand yes and our king takes your loyalty and takes your stance and he begins to move out to the east and to the west and to the north and the south come in on us I pray Lord come in on us we've set up your suka Lord but we need transfiguration we have a tabernacle Lord but there is one that is you we want to transfigure us I pray that Lord that you'll overtake our bodies now take out my judgments Lord and take off the judgments of others around me and take over me with your steadfast love you're merciful Lord and your love endures forevermore you're merciful Lord you're great in mercy Lord Your love is everlasting, Lord. I'm going to tell you something. 
Let me say this. Every time he's ever come into me, in the last seven events we've had, today being the eighth, I always feel so awkward. I always feel so like, I don't know what to do. And his sweet Holy Spirit, he just says, let me take over your frame. It's not enough for this just to happen with me. It must happen with you. And it's something you have to ask him for. You have to want him. You have to want him with your whole heart. You have to say, Lord, I want you. I want you. I want your love. I'm tired of the judgment tree. I need your love. Yes, Lord. It's okay if you feel like an awkward duck. <laughs> Welcome to the way that the Lord came into the camp of Israel. While he tears out all the overlays one by one.
He pleads my cause He will hear me consume themselves who is like my king he who rules with compassion and love who is like my warrior he who rescues me and will avenge me it's only sins to death on that tree who is like my love he wants to know me intimately and it's only a little while that I sit in darkness 
choice not against me or when I'm me and when I fall I shall
30th year on the fifth day of the fourth month while I was among the exiles at the Kabara River the heavens opened and I saw a divine vision and on the fifth day of the month it was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile the word of the Lord came to the priest Ezekiel the son of Uzi at the Kibara River in the land of the Babylonians and the hand of the Lord came on him there and as I watched, I noticed a windstorm coming from the north, an enormous cloud with lightning and flashing, such that bright light rimmed it as it came across from it glowing amber from the middle of the fire. And in the fire where what looked like four living beings in their appearance, they had human form. But each one had four faces and four wings, and their legs were straight. But the soles of their feet were the calves' feet. And they gleamed like polished bronze. And they had human hands under their wings and on their four sides. And as for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touched each other, and they did not turn as they moved. But they went straight ahead. 
And their faces had the appearance, each of the four had the face of a man, and the face of a lion on the right, and the face of an ox on the left, and also the face of an eagle. And their wings were spread out above them, and each had two wings touching the wings of the one of the other beings on each side, and two wings covering their bodies. And each moved straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. In the middle of the living beings was something like fire, a burning coals, or like a torch. It moved back and forth among the living beings. It was bright and lightning was flashing out of the fire. And the living beings moved backward and forward as quickly as flashes of lightning. And then I saw one wheel on the ground beside each of the four beings. The appearance of the wheels and their construction was like gleaming jasper. And all four wheels looked alike. Their structure was like a wheel within a wheel. And when they moved, they would go in and any four directions they faced without turning as they moved. And their rims were high and awesome, and the rims of all four wheels were full of eyes all around. And when the living beings moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living beings rose up from the ground, the wheels rose up too. And wherever the spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise up beside them because the spirit of the living being was in the wheel. And when the living beings moved, the wheels moved. And when they stopped moving, the wheels stopped. And when they rose up from the ground, the wheels rose up from the ground. The wheels rose up beside them because the spirit of the living being was in the wheel. And over the heads of the living beings was something like a platform glittering awesomely like ice stretched out over their heads and under the platform their wings were stretched out each toward the other and each of the beings had two wings covering their body and when they moved I heard the sound of their wings it was like the sound of rushing waters or the voice of the Almighty or the tumult of an army and when they stood still they lowered their wings. And then there was a voice. From above the platform, over their heads when they stood still. And above the platform, over their heads, was something like a sapphire shaped like a throne and high above on that throne was a form that appeared to be a man see him 
we will be like him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Cast up your vision to the one, to the one, to the one. scarred hands I, I see you Lord one You're the Lamb of God. Magnificent one. Glory, 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 glory. Glory are you, Lord.
32, listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. And my teaching will drop like the rain, and my sayings will drip like the dew. And as rain drops upon the grass and showers upon the new growth, for I will proclaim the name of the Lord. And I will acknowledge the greatness of our God. As for the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. Oh, you're the reliable God who is never unjust. You're fair and you're upright. Your people have been unfaithful to you, and they have not acted like your children. And this is our sin, Lord. We've been perverse and deceitful generation. Will we repay the Lord? Take away our foolishness, Lord. Take away our lack of wisdom on your people. Are you not our Father and our Creator? He's made us and established us. Remember the ancient days. Bear in mind the years of the past generation. And let your fathers inform you. And your elders, let them tell you. When the Most High gave the nations for their inheritance, when he divided up humankind and set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the heavenly assembly for the Lord's allotment, we are the Lord's allotment. You're the Lord's people. We're special possession of you, Lord. Oh, oh, I'm your special possession, Lord. Say it to him. I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours, Lord. I'm your possession, Lord. Have your way with me. The Lord found us in He found us in a desolate land, in an empty and wasteland where the animals are howling. But you say, I'll quickly guard you. I'll teach you. I'll protect you. As the people of my eye. And like an eagle that stirs up the nest, that hovers over its young, so the Lord spread out his wings and he took him. And he lifted him up upon the pinions. The Lord alone guides us. No foreign God will be with us. 
and you enable us to travel over the high terrain of the land and eat of the produce of the fields. You provide the honey for us from the cliffs and olive oil from the hardest of the rocks, butter from the herd and milk from the flock, along with the fat lambs and rams and goats of Bashan and along the best of the kernels of wheat and from the juice of grapes, we drink wine. Amen. Let's, let's go ahead and turn to Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. One of our online guys last week, he said, um, it's was, it was actually Frank Dazelski, he said, he says, Carol, you didn't even use one verse out of Zechariah in last week's message. And, and I realized, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we were uh, using Isaiah extensively and... Um, if you weren't here and you missed that event, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen uh, to that message. Because of the nature of, uh, and bringing out of the, of the language of chased, right, and the everlasting love of the Lord, or the enduring love, or the steadfast love of the Lord that pierces in beyond judgment. And one of the ways that the Lord is intervening into our midst and in your daily life, and I know he's, I don't know how your daily life is going, but he's, he's definitely, I'm experiencing a lot where you, you get into this place and you're trying to figure out an individual position or a, let's say like a community or like a relational position, and there's, there's judgments that can be made that are actually right on either side of the situation that you're facing. I mentioned to you last week that you, you can justify the left or the right, anyone can, and you can do it biblically, generally speaking. What's happening in our life is the Sinai of the left and the Sinai of the right just isn't going to give you the position that you need to stand in. And we're just riddled and inundated so much with ideas, especially in this culture, but but even within uh, God's house. And um, if you've experienced the steadfast love or the chased, it's with a chet, that's why chased, of the Lord, he rushes in on you in this love. And I would invite you that when you're coming to the end of everything that you can think or do or say or whatever, and you feel like you're almost sort of like emaciated in your position, and you've wore yourself out in your, your rhetoric or your doctrine, that you just wait on the Lord and let the Lord rush in on your being because he will. Because those who love him and have their attention towards him only and are saying, you know, Lord, take my judgments, whether they're, you know, blue or red, and like, come in on me. And I've, I gotta tell you, my whole life, I've never experienced this in this way. And I think when we look at Zechariah 1.12 this morning, I believe this was the, this was the call of the remnant 
right in the uh, second temple era. They, they had remembered first temple, Solomon's first temple, and uh, the house of the Lord was divided. It was a severe division between Judah and Israel. And they had experienced this division for uh, you know, periods of years and had come into uh, southern kingdom, been taken into Babylonian exile and the northern kingdom in Assyrian exile. The last king of Babylon, Zedekiah, they put his eyes out, took his daughters off. I mean, it was severe what they were going through. And so um, Zechariah is picking up with Ezra and Haggai in a second temple period and, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, post-exile or post-Babylonian exile. And when you're looking at uh, even Daniel, he's the one who is doing this intercession, Lord, rebuild your house down in Jerusalem. And so there was a real big move in, in when we're looking at the period of Zechariah, Lord, raise up the temple construct again, bring your glory back to Israel the way that it was in the days of uh, Solomon. And so they had been in exile for 70 years. And they returned back to uh, Jerusalem, these exiles did, and they're running into mountains of obstacles. You imagine there's no infrastructure set up at all. They don't have an infrastructure. They don't, the, the temple is in ruins. Everything's in ruins. They don't have a governmental complex. They don't have an educational complex for the kids. They don't have a way to, I mean, the economic complex, it's all utterly destroyed. So when they get there, 70 years post-exile, another generation, 50,000 of them said, let's go build God's house. They immediately come under attack, get discouraged, throw their hands up in there and quit for 16 years. And that's when Haggai comes online. He says, look, you're paying more attention to your own houses than you are the house of the Lord. You're not seeking first the kingdom. You're seeking your own whatever. You're seeking your own life. The Lord caught, uses Haggai, Zachariah's, and as well as Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, Ezra, Nehemiah later on, they're gonna come in and like encourage the people of God, give your full self to this, our sovereign master, the Lord, our, our, the husband. Give yourself back to him, renew your steadfast love. He steadfastly loves you. And so four more years later, they get the temple online, 20 years. So there's a 70 year period, then a 20 year period. So 70 years exile, 16 years throw their hands up in the air, four years it takes, get the temple built, and everybody's like weeping. You know why? Because it says it. It was such a diminished character in Ezra that they just were weeping because they, some of them had remember what their moms and daddies and grandparents had said about the glory of the house of Solomon. And yet we could see that even in Solomon's temple that there was an issue, a massive issue. And you heard me say this, that Solomon had a, he didn't have the integrity and the heart of his daddy. He had the wisdom, and I brought this out last week. It was given extensive wisdom in the likeness of God, but he didn't have the image uh, restored. And so Solomon's doing image-based things, like getting him a thousand wives when Deuteronomy 17 says a king should have only one wife. It says don't amass silver and gold, and he did. And it says don't lift your heart up among your brethren, and he did. And it split the whole entire monarchy that God had established through David and previously building up into that through Saul. And so there was, and I've got a, one of our events here, I deal with how the consummation and the tragedy that happened during the Solomonic era. It was a, it was a truly a tragedy. And we could see even in the first temple and then later on in the second temple that something was still missing. Because in first temple, we have a king on the throne 
but he doesn't have a heart that's right. He's broken in his image. And then later on in second temple, we don't have a king on the throne. And so what does that foreshadow? One that has to come, a king that has to come and do it right for all of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, as many of us know. But here we are. Here we are culminating, I believe, in the end of the age, in the end times. And, and so Zechariah 1.12, as the Lord had shared with me, I want you to take these seven visions in Zechariah. And uh, we can't present them on a screen. They've had a little technical difficulty. But I want you to take these seven visions and look at them with seven burdens. And they're going to coalesce together. And so there's a night visions that Zechariah went through that brings a bearing of the glory. Now, if you take notes or anything, I want to kind of put this before you that increased revelation brings increased pressure. <laughs> Probably since we've come here now for six weeks, I've had to deal with more pressure than I've ever had to deal with in all the years I've been uh, serving the Lord in his house. Because increased revelation, increased vision, it brings with it commensurate, increased burden. Now, I don't mean the burden that uh, Matthew 11, I believe, I believe that's right. It's, my yoke is easy, right? My burden is light. The, it, the issue with the burden or the bearing of glory is not the Lord. The issue is when the, we start taking heed for declaring and standing on a ground of the vision of the Lord and the enemy's trying to to change our paradigm and cause us to think something different when the Lord is saying, bear my glory. I told him, I said, building your house is easier than bearing your glory. Everybody's like, bring your glory, Lord. I was like, please come in a little by little, Lord. Don't drop your glory on our house too fast. He told me, I can't. You know why? Because you can't handle my glory. Because his glory is the radiance and the manifestation of his sovereign governing right to rule and tell everybody what to do. <laughs> it's the sovereign right to say, this is my land, this is my people, this is my house, this is my vehicles, I own everything. And I'm gonna tell you, most people do not like someone that is in charge like that, especially in our culture today. We, are so, we have turned, and our news is doing this. It is such an egalitarian culture, and we've had such a problem with fascism and male dominance and all that, that we are all like scattered uh, in our mindset when the Lord begins to bring within his house authority. And you can feel it today. I, I don't know what you're experiencing, Melinda, but I was like, someone's being jerked up by the back of their head and being taken up into the heavens this morning. I pray it was all of you. But he showed me that when I was... Speaking in tongues, he's like, you know, this is when I jerked Ezekiel up by the nap of the head and pulled him up into the heavens. I said, yeah, yeah, like do that, do that, and he was. Oh no, oh yes. But see, see, let's look now at Zechariah one twelve. What was going on there? And I think that we too are saying this, whether you realize your heart is saying this or not. And this is to be a word of. I pray encouragement for you. The angel of the Lord then asked, Lord who rules over all, how long before you have compassion on Jerusalem and the other cities of Judah which you have been so angry with these 70 years? How long? 
Um, in Daniel 12, which actually the day that we had this happen, I'll explain here in a minute, Daniel 12, 6, one said to the man clothed in linen, now let me, say, let me pull the context a little bit. This is Michael the archangel is going to come in. He's going to begin to unite with the people of God in Daniel 12. And because we need, the Lord's going to and has, uh, gives us angelic escort to begin to uh, take the nations and run off our enemies and things like that. We, the people of God, sort of like transformers. I don't know if you see that. I grew up with transformers like the little guy and then you need the big guy. You know? And the angelic realm is meant to come alongside the company of Israel and Judah and, and go to war with us. And so we're like the little ones commanding the armies of the, the angelic order and of men, men and of angels, out of his steadfast love. <laughs> and seeing God's house go forward. And so what's happening in Daniel 12, he said, you know, Daniel's gonna come online with, uh, and he sees Michael the archangel, he says this prince will stand up in the end times. This prince being Michael. And so there's a couple guys that are standing there and dressed in linen, I think, or something like that. And it says, this guy says to him, he says, one said to the man clothed in linen. Okay, one says to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river. When will you end, when will the end of these wonderful events occur? And so he's asking also a question, how long is it going to take? You're gonna, if, if you use, if you use this framework I have this thing in my understanding from the Lord, like take Genesis 12, Daniel 12, and Revelation 12, and kind of marry them, the three 12s. And I, if you don't know what I mean by that, it's a Abraham being called into covenant with the Lord. You know, Daniel's in the middle of Daniel 12 with this Michael the archangel is gonna come online. And in Revelation 12, I believe you see there a man-child company uh, that looks like the Lord that is called up to the throne and to his God and Lucifer is being cast out of the second heavens. And it, it says Michael the archangel there is going to cast out Lucifer down into the, to the first heavens. I asked the Lord sort of like, let's not get up into the uh, sapphire throne too quick because if we do as the man-child company, <laughs> that implies that Michael's gonna be knocking Lucifer out of the second heavens down in the first. And woe are you, inhabitants of the earth, when he comes down, because he's gonna create war and havoc on the saints. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, at least get us into a point, all of us corporately, where we're, we have such a vision of you, not just vision, but you internally have taken over us with your full Christology before you cast Lucifer out of the second heavens, because I don't know that the end time church can take that kind of heat yet. Because I'm watching so many people get discouraged and mad over such petty issues. How are we ever gonna take heat? How are we gonna take heat when he himself, Lucifer comes in and gets himself into a body and starts messing with God's people and killing them? We haven't taken heat quite like that yet. But mark the words of the Lord, they're coming. Because the Lord, we want Lucifer cast out of the second heaven, running his big, whatever, his weird show he's got going on and go in a, and a Christ figure. We wanna end this thing, why? We want the king back. And I'm kind of fed up with the whole thing myself. I'm just like, let's just get like one focus, one, one idea that we wanna see the Lord split the eastern sky. The spirit and the bride says, come Lord Jesus, come now. So you're being tested, you're being tried. You're being, see what kind of person you're gonna be. 
It's like Monty Python and the Holy Grail or something. <laughs> right, Richard? <laughs> no leg, no arm. I'm coming in. The Lord's coming back. I don't care. You know, <laughs> I lost an eye. He said, pluck it out. You know, uh, I'm not saying do that. I just, if it offends you, cut it off. If you're right, you know, the Lord's not trying to keep body parts, apparently. <laughs> Everybody else is like, keep body parts for God's people. And the Lord's like, well, if it offends you, cut the thing off and pluck it out. He isn't talking like what we think. The Lord would rather see you come in maimed. Uh, we, we saw uh, signs and wonders happen in your name. Uh, don't marvel at that. Marvel in the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I've already seen this big show. How long, Lord, till you tabernacle with us? How long till you transfigure us? Because it, I just, okay, let's just do it like this, PPT. Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles. This end time move, there has to be a tabernacling of God inside of you. This sukkah that is set up every week for now, that's what he told me to call it. Call it a sukkah. He said, give yourself to the sukkah until I tell you not to. You know what a sukkah is? They build them in Israel for tabernacles. There should be participation. Set up the sukkah as giving your life and laying it down so that I can come in and transfigure you. Do something in the natural so that I can do something for you in the spiritual. Lay your life down. I say, okay, Lord, you know, set up the sukkah. How long, Lord, before you'll have compassion? How long, Lord, is this thing gonna keep going on? So when, if you take notes, and I have these notes for you, if you want them, I, I do it like this. Zero T, one T, two T, three T. What is zero T? I call zero T the tabernacle of Moses. One T would be Solomon's temple. Two T would be the second temple. We're into three T, third temple. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see it? I'll tear this thing down and I'll rebuild it in what? Three days. And they realize he wasn't talking about that temple, he's talking about himself. And that's what he's saying, this end time generation, whether or not they build a third temple in Jerusalem or not, beside on the temple mount. And maybe that will happen in the natural. But this is not our concern. The Lord's concern is I wanna put a temple in you and resurrect a temple and a palace inside of you. And I am going to manifest it outside of you. It's called tabernacles by transfiguration. And this is what, this end time move will be. And so they're saying how long, why? 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Actually in this house, if you know the backstory in this house, we had 70 weeks at YMI. We, uh, 20 years later, they decide to dedicate the temple and second temple. We have 20 weeks. And uh, I believe it was, he's not here, or maybe it is the Lineker. Pete Lineker will get up at X2M 90, which was 20 weeks after the 70th week, he'll stand up and dedicate the temple. <laughs> I remember that, like it was yesterday, and he said, man, you know, we're waiting on God's glory to fall, and the Lord's like, no, you just got the temple built inside. And then we went into something that was so unusual, 20 weeks of the double helix, 20 weeks of the seed of Christ, beautiful, I've never seen anything like it. Kinda got me off track there for a minute, because I was like, this thing is so amazing, everybody's gotta know about it. 
10 aspects of Christology, 10 aspects of anthropology. Looks just like a DNA. And the Lord tells me, he says, second temple didn't have this. First temple didn't have this. Zero temple didn't have this. Zero tabernacle didn't have this. You didn't have what I'm giving you in the third temple era. I'm giving you my full Christology. I'm gonna give you my full divine nature that Peter was talking about. I'm gonna plant my seed into your temple. I'm gonna bring male and female together and make a baby. We call it star child. (laughs) We started here, a star child was born. And I'll tell you what it is. It's the rebirth of a Davidic monarchy and a royal family. And it is happening right in our midst. When we first got here, X2M 111, he said, call that phase because I'm gonna take this haze as a picture. I'm gonna phase my, my immortal self into your mortality. And it'll be a picture to you. Because like dew, Psalms 110.3, like dew or haze, I have begotten you. Psalms 133, and like the dew that comes down or haze that comes down on Mount Hermon, I will bring unity like you have never seen in the body of Christ, and there I will command the blessing, even life evermore. You wanna be phased, (laughs) let him phase himself into you by light. So the second week, X2M 112, he said, call that the face. That's when you came in and said what you did, because he said, I'm gonna put my whole face on you, the inner parts. Moses saw my my hiney, You're gonna see my face. You're gonna see my inner parts because I'm gonna put my inner part in you. It's called his divine nature. I'm gonna put that inner part in you. I'm gonna phase my face into you with your own persona. I'm not gonna take away your persona. You're Tommy Osherman. You're Tom McManus. You're Steve Scroggs. I'm not gonna take away from your persona, but I'm gonna give you my full divine nature I'm gonna tabernacle with you and transfigure you. So I'm gonna phase my face into you. And transfiguration actualizes. I had that experience up here, I've shared it. I had it happen again this morning, I've had it happen every week now, and now I'm having it happen during the week. And I wanna talk a little bit about that. And so what was different, what's different and characterizes 3T versus 2T, 1T, 0T, is we have the double helix. They did not. We have it because Jesus purchased it and paid for it and is delivering on it in this end time generation. I'm so grateful to him because they never got where they were meant to be. And you hear that in Hebrews later on, they were sawn asunder. You know, they, they went through the battle waiting for something that they never saw. This generation will see the greatest move and demonstration of God you've ever seen. When God becomes man and incarnates himself into the end time people. When you look just like him with your own persona, when he tabernacles and transfigures your very being. I I didn't come up with all this, you know. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm being taught by the Holy Spirit every week. I I don't even know how to do this. I'm in the middle of it with you. Somehow I have to come up with, he teaches, gives me the notes to give to you. So what is it? This is the 3T, the next 20 weeks, so it was the, call it the double helix Abrahamic MZ seed of Christ, MZ, Melchizedek seed of Christ. I'm going to install the internal key into my people where construct, national construction and reconstruction never worked for Israel like it should. 
I'm gonna bring forth a restored and consummated Davidic monarch, global Davidic monarchy through the nations. The Lord reigning in you and me and the literal second coming of the Lord is coming when he pops the eastern sky. Acts 3.21, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the what? The restoration of all things. And so we, we got into that, X to M113, I did a thing here, listen to it, the parousia, and I dealt with this tragedy of the mosaic, the Solomonic, and the second temple. I didn't get into the second temple that day. And so there you go. So this week, going through every kind of, I don't know if you're dealing with this, but it's like one leg's being stretched that way, one arm's being stretched this way, this is like, it's like, what is that, what is that guy that they pop and stretch? Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> I feel like that's like with the Lord, he's like, let me pull your arm 18 feet and stick myself into that and then it'll snap back into order. And it's a really awkward experience to go through God giving you his divine nature. You feel really awkward. It's like, you know, I don't, you know, okay, okay, right? I don't know, maybe it's, you're not dealing with this, I'm dealing with this all the time. Like, which way's up, I don't know, you know? It's like you're just, I've been in centrifuges and been spun all around and things to fly aircraft, and so it's kind of like that. Because he's disorienting us so that we only have an orientation to him. And when that thing locks up, oh, that's my favorite part, when the orientation locks up, because you're completely disoriented. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Steadfast love. Down into your being. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll take some more. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I bet you do. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. Most beautiful, most sweet, most serene love you've ever experienced in your life when God comes in and starts to, whoo, I'm like, now for so many years, I'm like, this can only come, you know, when Stephen plays worship. And primarily for me, a lot of times that's been the way it is. Because that guy's got some kind of thing and I'm, but man, he's coming in the most unique ways. And he wants to meet us, not just in the mountain experiences like here, but in the valley as well, in your homes. And he does, and I know he does, but I mean, I, I'm just saying, he's meeting me. And so I was at Starbucks over here one evening, Kara goes to get the kids, because I got immersed into the text of Zechariah. And I wanna open something up for you this morning. I found a uh, secret code inside of the book, like for real. I know it sounds funny, doesn't it? But like there was like this little code that's hidden in it. And if you knew the nature of that code, it explains the whole book. And I found it and the Lord takes me to it and I'm like, oh! And he said, I want you to see this. I'm gonna give you the code to the whole book. It'll be like the, the key or the crypto logic or I don't know what you call it. Maybe y'all have an, another name for it. But like the very thing that, enters into it and will unlock the whole book and I found it and it's in verses 114 through 117. And so what happens in verses 114 through 117 and this is accorded to Klein, Meredith Klein, an inclusio of a chiastic pattern is set up. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? 
Okay, that's okay, because I'm going to tell you. An inclusio is a literary device, so it's a chiastic pattern, um, but I'll do inclusio first. It's based on a concentric principle, also known as bracketing or an envelope structure, which consists of creating a, a frame by placing similar material at the beginning and the end of a section. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you an inclusio so that you'll understand it because you wouldn't understand just the definition. I didn't hardly, I had to go in and study it. Let me give you an inclusio. Matthew chapter five, verse 17. This is gonna be the way we're gonna frame it or learn what an inclusio is. I gotta give you a quick scholar briefing because I can't even take you into what this thing is without doing a little scholarship of which I am not or a theologian, but I had to listen to these guys and look at what they say. Inclusio, the inclusio A, we'll just call it, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish these things, but to fulfill them. That's Jesus speaking. Um, later on in the transfiguration, you're gonna see that. He's not like, he's not against you know, Moses and Elijah. He's not against this law or the prophetic voice in the church or the charismatic, we could call it the gospel and the kingdom. We could call it male and female. We can call it Judah and Israel. We can call it all kinds of things, uh, king and priest. Moses and Elijah there are this picture. And he said, I'm not coming to abolish them. In me is the very fulfillment of this. I'm the fulfillment. I'm not, I'm not coming to do away with either one of them or like siding with one of them. And of course, you'll hear the father say, hey, Matthew 17, this is my beloved son. Listen to that guy. Do what he tells you. So, and that's, that's the A portion of the inclusio. Now let's look at the B portion, uh, Matthew 7, 12. And everything treat others as you would want them to treat you, for this fulfills the law and the prophets. Now, in, in inclusio A, he's dealing with what? The law and the prophets, and he's saying, in me is the very fulfillment of it. Now that sounds very individualistic. Like in me is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, individual. It's all in me, it's inside of me. I'm the fulfillment. But then when you get over here to the inclusio section, and I think this is what causes so much conflict among God's people, we don't understand inclusios. We don't understand it the way that the Lord wants us to because he's gonna later on say, uh, look, 712, in everything treat others as you would want them to treat you. This fulfills the law and the prophets. Now it's like community organizing. No, it's not. <laughs> but it, it's communitarian. It's, it's a humanitarian. So he's, he's saying in me is the very fulfillment, but it, in the very fulfillment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You see it? I mean, we've heard this so much, but people are arguing from two different positions. I've been in uh, leadership and uh, ministry for like 12 years now. And generally speaking, you're gonna side with the, you'll side with the crowd. We need to do, this is the way we think about church. We need to do more things for people. Or you'll side with the individual. Most people don't do that, but you'll side with yourself. <laughs> That's been my struggle. <laughs> you know, I just, he's the fulfillment inside. He's like, my wife will say, he's also the fulfillment outside. Help, you know, it's like, love me, you know. You see what I mean? It's not just individual fulfillment. It's, it's both individual and I'm going to care for others. I love others. You see that? And we all have a propensity towards one or the other. 
And the Lord is wanting to solve the propensity and say it's all inclusive in this sense. It's an inclusio. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about because this happens right in the midst of marriage and I'm gonna explain, do this. So, all right, so let's, let's go back now that you understand, hopefully you understand. Uh, inclusio, and then now the four, 114 through 117 is also a chiasm. Now, chiasm is a poetic device. And if you just think like, a, I've done this with y'all, but if you just think like a, a point like this, and if, if you can see this in your mind, and if you put 114 at the top and you come down and you put 115 coming down to the point and then you came below that and you put 116 and you put 117. What happens is 114 will match with 117 and 115 will match with 116. There's a match and that's called chiastic structure. Now, I don't know if that matters to you or not. It matters a lot to the Lord because he put chiasm all throughout the Hebraic and Greek text. He has them hidden in there and they're beautiful literary devices. Poetry, if you like poetry. It's his poetic device of speaking through something deeper into our lives. And so, so in 114, then the Lord says, map that onto your X2Ms right now because today we're X2M 116. But we, we've finished up 114 and 115, and today is 116. And so what I wanna do is just back up a little bit into 114. That's the day that I introduced the structure of the M, or the, you, you saw it up on there. But this is what Zechariah 1.14 says. Turning to me, the messenger then said, cry out that the Lord who rules over all I have great jealousy for Jerusalem and for Zion. And so if you can see this here, there is a jealousy of the Lord. Now, it, in, in the Hebrew, I studied this week, it, it says, when it says great jealousy, it means great jealousy in the Hebrew. And it's this sort of like, I don't know if you've ever dealt with jealousy, but he's saying, I'm upset the Lord's upset, and so because he's upset about the disaster, this is what he said to me, take it for what it's worth, of the monarchy. The Lord's upset because God's people are not united under his government and rule and are scattered everywhere, and he wants to bring his whole family together. And if you've ever, maybe this applies to you, but if you've ever had your family like taken from you or lost family members or uh, watched people get off because whatever, you get upset too. You mess with my kids and my wife, I get upset. Ask them. Someone comes against our children, I, I, I'm, Lord has to help me. I'm like, mm -mm. don't ever do that again. I'll have to have mercy or something because this thing ain't happening with me. So he's jealous, great jealousy, jealous, jealous for his people. And we say, well, that's a great personality to have, but most of the time we don't like people <laughs> that are jealous of us. You know, it don't always come off real kindly. And then 115, I, mean, I have to move faster because I have to finish in a few minutes. I have so much to say. 115, I get up here, I expand the structure last week. I call it the Starchild XM or the Phenotype XM. But anyways, and I, and I am exceedingly angry now I'm angry with the nations that are at ease. I went in and did a real fast study on ease. 
It basically is kind of like the idea that you're sort of sitting on your laurels and you're not having attention towards him and that you're doing your own thing and sort of like a complacency has settled in on people. And we know because this has been a war for us, like to get us into complacency and just do life every day and just forget this thing with the Lord. Well, the Lord, he says he's angry about it. I'm mad. I'm far hot mad. I don't want ease. I love you and I want this full restorative life happening between us. I'm, I'm mad about it. And, um, and it's the right kind of anger. It's the anger that wants to go rescue the one you love and is willing to do whatever it takes to get restorative thing. Any of y'all ever done that for somebody you love? Like shake them almost like I'm trying to get through to you. <laughs> and I'm willing to because I love you. Not, but I'm not gonna just dismiss you. I'm gonna confront you because I love. Right, right Tom? Because that man's got it in him like that. Confrontation for love, right? I'm not a coward. I'm gonna stick it out. I'm gonna confront for love because I believe in it. I believe in you. And he's angry. The Lord's angry with the nations that are at ease. For I was, but he says, for a while I was angry, but a little, they furthered their disaster. So it didn't do God any good to not bring out the, uh, the big guns on. He said, I'm bringing it out. I'm mad. And I think some of us have felt that, especially in the, how long, Lord? <laughs> because when the Lord gets uh, ticked off at you and starts to confront you, <laughs> it don't really feel good. And he might be using somebody else's voice to do it. Like, hey, I'm confronting you right now. Uh, I've been going through that, some confrontations and stuff, and it has not been the easiest thing to go through. But thanks be to God, we do know how to repent. <laughs> repent. Next section today, the rebuilding of the monarchy. Listen to what he says in this case, in the second part of this inclusio, second part of this chiastic pattern, I'm gonna bring comfort and validation. I'm gonna bring it from my mercy. Look at 116 for today. Therefore says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy and I will rebuild my palace. Now I gotta tell you something. There's a lot of text that says 116 there is uh, temple. It does not say that in the Hebrew. It says palace. It says house. It doesn't say temple. And the Lord wanted me to make sure that you really see that because he's looking to rebuild houses. He's not just... He's not just looking just at a temple motif. He's looking at an external motif. And many of you have been in this room, been in construction projects because God is actually going to demonstrate his glory outwardly, not just inwardly. That's another part of this inclusio. Yes, I'm doing internal work, but I'm going to show my kingdom off. It's coming uh, to real time and space right now. He said, I'm going, and I, I write this, that he's going to restore the third part of the fallen booth of David. So he says, in it, says the word that rules over all, once more a surveyor's measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem. The key word is, I have returned. I'm coming back to my people. I'm not going to dish y'all anymore. He made me mad. Yeah, he made me mad. Yeah. You made me jealous. Yeah. Because I wanted you to want me more than anything. I've, I've been ticked off. Yep but I'm gonna give you mercy because I love you and I'm coming back. No, I'm gonna come back now and return and I'm going to rebuild my palace and my house, okay? And so then he says, I'm gonna stretch out the measuring line. This week I had the privilege of being at King Richard's and Queen Anne's house. Y'all know them? I was like, man, we're with King Richard and Queen Anne. This is amazing. And I hope this is okay 
Well, it's just going to have to be because I didn't ask you. <laughs> but they demonstrated so much love to Karen and I. It meant so much to me. Like, I can't even describe. They had us over, and they pr- made all this preparation to make, uh, show us how to make biscotti. Did I say that right? Thank you. Because uh, I've never made biscotti. I have hardly ever made anything <laughs> when it comes to food. All I do is show up. <laughs> And my wife, she's a phenomenal thing. And, they, and Ann and Richard, they, they said that for, was it 40 years or something? Or so, for a long time, they worked on this recipe. And Ann's got this special like, thing with the throwing of the powder while Richard gets the uh, parchment paper, puts it under just in time, while Ann's like, you better get that thing right, Richard. And Richard's running around and cleaning out stuff, and they're just amazing. And I'm like watching husband and wife work together to make something and bring something of such delight because before that we sat down and had breakfast with him. I said, uh, Carol, try this uh, biscotti and I ate it and I was kind of blown away because I don't really like biscotti. Uh, I didn't tell you all that, but, <laughs> but all of a sudden I did because in it, it had a chewiness and a crunchiness and a flavor. It had all this component in it and I said, this is the most amazing thing. I, I, it's the most amazing taste and flavor. King Richard and Queen Anne are standing there with us and they invite us over there. And I, my thing is go get in the armchair and they got this really nice armchair with high and it sits you back and that's what I like to sit in. <laughs> Real high chair, back, yeah, like that. I'm like, I wanna go over to the chair and I feel this little tug on my heart. Stand here and go through this with them. I had no idea this would just thrill the absolute socks off my wife because I don't really know about women that well. <laughs> And she's just thrilled because I'm there in the moment with y'all and it was the most beautiful thing. And uh, I'm experiencing God's love in a way that I never experienced it. I didn't know like standing there waiting on these two beautiful people to make biscotti could just immerse you into the love of the Father. Because I was like, the big thing, you bring it to glory. And the glory was right there in a husband and wife. Covenant is one of the most beautiful things we're, we left there that day and we're driving down the road and I lose it. I lose it, I lose it. Kara's, I lose it, I crying so hard I couldn't hardly take it. All I was talking about was biscotti and the Lord comes in on me so deeply like, and I mean, his love, it's burning in my chest. And I said, I don't, I guess I don't know you, Lord. And, you know, and I, I don't really fully understand what I'm saying now, but I gotta say it. Because in the middle of an incluso, inclusio and all my patterns and everything, God was there. And King Richard and Queen Anne in love. And the love that they demonstrated to my wife and I showed me that in the everyday life of things, when we allow ourselves to be present, when we're just there together, loving each other, God's moving. And when we allow ourselves to just enter into the moment, I'll be honest with you, I thought that cooking food was mundane. I'm sorry. Because I like high levels of complexity. And that was so beautiful that I was just like, I don't, what is going on here? And God moved in the middle of it. I had to say that because it's like, God wants an inclusio. Let's all stand together. 
where we include one another, where we come together, where we love in the just practical everyday things of life. And all of y'all probably know this and I'm the last guy to find out. Y'all have all experienced this. You're like, that's what we've been trying to say to you, Carol. <laughs> like you're the last guy to figure it out. I saw it with, you know, the Harris's over here and Juliana makes the most amazing food ever. And uh, Austin's telling me, I went to the store and I got like two pounds of uh, ham and for $2. And I brought it home to my wife and psh, out of nowhere, she produces some kind of beauty like food, like you've never tasted in your life. The soup that we ate together with it for Emily's birthday. Uh, he's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemy. Our cup overflows. We have each other at the table of the Lord. And I just love this beautiful couple. I love all of you. But we could just enter in together. And taste, someone said, oh, it was uh, Nathan Jodry. I was telling him this. He says, he says, taste and see. I said, I think I've been doing see and taste. <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's uh, come together for a communion and then we'll close.
with oil to last the night.